Today, for all you beautiful people out there, we have a woman with probably the best tagline we have ever come across. I like to blow shit up. I'm the Michael Bay of business. I'm the founder and CEO of Make Love Not Porn. You come to me for radical, innovative, groundbreaking, transformative. I don't do status quo. There is really so much to say about Cindy. She really is a trailblazer ready to fight against the status quo. I'm a big fan of Be Your Own Filter. It attracts to me the clients who want what I do and it repels the ones who don't. And I want to repel the ones who don't because they're a waste of time, effort and money. She's also the founder of another website called If I Ran The World, which is designed to turn good intentions into actions by using micro-actions. When you combat ageism in the advertising industry, you change ageism in advertising. Today, she is a professional speaker, having spoken across most famous stages in the world, from TED to South by Southwest. So it's both a privilege and a delight that we get to welcome Cindy to the show. So welcome, Cindy, to the show. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. It's great to have you on, Cindy. And, and you know, I, I'm going to start with the obvious. I like to blow shit up. That is, as Richie says, a brilliant headline. Uh, has, has that always been your way? So um, um, I think it's worth um, just sharing with our audience why that is my tagline. Um, because, um, you know, as Richie said, I'm the founder and CEO of Make Love Not Porn. We are pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. And, um, and, and, and that is my primary focus. But alongside Make Love Not Porn, because I've been bootstrapping that for 10 years, I have to support myself through um, paid public speaking and business consultancy. And so many years ago, I was talking to a prospective consultancy client, explaining my approach to consulting. And I said to them, you know, I consult very selectively only for clients and brands who want to change the game in their particular sector. So you come to me for radical, innovative, groundbreaking, transformative. I don't do status quo. And then I lightheartedly off the cuff said, I like to blow shit up, I'm the Michael Bay of business. And everybody laughed and I left the meeting and I thought, actually, that is a great way of summing up what I do. So I've been using that as my tagline ever since. But when I use it, it's not a bit of whimsy or a bit of creativity, but a bit of fun. I use that tagline entirely deliberately because I'm a big fan of be your own filter. When I characterize what I do in that way, it attracts to me the clients who want what I do, and it repels the ones who don't. And I want to repel the ones who don't because they're a waste of time, effort, and money. So that's how that came into being. And, and yup, that's what I do. I blow shit up. I'm the Michael Bay of business. I tell you what, Cindy, that is, that's truly remarkable in so many ways. And I love the thought um, when you talked about it's your, it's your ultimate filter. Um, it shows a real sense of bravery that you're, you're unwilling to work with people that don't fit that ethos and that don't feel that transformative nature. And I, I don't think many people um, would have that sense of confidence to be able to go out there and actually say, you know what, um, you know, don't even bother um, kind of knocking on my door if, if you're not that type of person. I mean, where do you get that sense of confidence from? Well, you know, um, I'm, I'm regularly asked, you know, 
Cindy, I love your confidence. You know, how can how can I have some of that? How can our audience get some of that? And you know, the answer is very simple because um, what I recommend, and this really is the starting point for everything. So anybody who's never conducted this exercise, very simply, take a long, hard look inside yourself and identify what you believe in, what you value, what you stand for, what you're all about. Because when you do that, that makes life so much easier. Life still throws at you all the shit it always will, but you will know exactly how to respond to that shit in any given situation in a way that is true to you. And that really is the secret of happiness, living your life and working your work according to your values. And that is what drives what you call confidence, because you will know that what you are doing is absolutely right for you. And, 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 and that's what inspires you to be confident in it. Makes complete sense that it all comes through our values. Could you say a little bit more about how you describe your values and maybe where they came from? Well, um, well, you know, um, they came from 62 years of life. Okay. So it's, it's an absolute um, fact of life that the older you get, the better life gets. And this is why older people are a massive asset to every business because there is no substitute for experience. But obviously, you know, I want to really shortcut um, this process for everybody else, which is why I'm so thrilled to be talking to you and, and your audience. And, you know, um, as I've just said, I believe that everything in life and business starts with you and your values. And I want to give you a sense of my values in a very specific context, because again, you will not hear this from anybody else. So, you know, I designed my startup, Make Love Not Porn, around all of my own beliefs and philosophies, including my belief that, as I've just said, everything starts with you and your values. So I already asked people this question, what are your sexual values? And nobody can ever answer me because we're not taught to think like that. Our parents bring us up to have good manners, a work ethic, sense of responsibility, accountability. Nobody ever brings us up to behave well in bed, but they should because in bed values like empathy, sensitivity, generosity, kindness, honesty, trust, respect are as important as those values are in every other area of our lives where we're actively taught to exercise them. Those are my sexual values. Those are my values, you know, um, generally, but I'm, I'm deliberately sharing them in this context because as I said, you will not hear this from anybody else, but it's the way the entire world should be thinking. And, you know, um, just, um, uh, referencing what you said earlier about the businesses I've started, Richie. So, you know, where If We Ran The World came from was my background of 37 years working in brand building, marketing and advertising. And realizing coming out of that, that the future of business, as far as I'm concerned, is about doing good and making money simultaneously. And one of the things I recommend to everybody is that they design their own business model. 
because I observe too many people thinking one of two things, either this is the way our industry's always made money. You know, this is the business model of the industry. This is the one we always have to operate. Or they go, there are a set number of business models out there and we have to operate one of those. Neither is true. Your business model can be anything you want it to be. And in fact, a really good starting point for redesigning it is to simply ask yourself, how would I like to make money? Because it's a safe bet you'd like to make it not the way you're currently making it. So um, I live my own philosophies. And so I, many years ago, designed my own business model. I believe the business model of the future is shared values plus shared action equals shared profit, financial profit and social profit. And what I mean by that is when brands and businesses come together with their audiences and by audiences that can be consumers, employees, analysts, you know, any, any group of stakeholders, when brands come together with their audiences on the basis of values that you all share, which by the way, is the most important requirement for a good relationship in life as much as business, you will never truly bond with anybody if you don't share the same values. When you come together around shared values, and when you are then all enabled collectively and collaboratively to co-act on those values, to walk the talk together, you can then make things happen in the real world that will benefit consumers, you know, benefit society and benefit the brand and its business. And if we ran the world was co-action software designed to help brands and businesses implement that business model. Now, when Make Love Not Porn blew up um, after the TED talk with which I launched it back in 2009, I had to back burner if we ran the world because even I, superhuman as I am, cannot run two startups simultaneously. Um, but I designed Make Love Not Porn around that business model. Shared values plus shared action equals shared profit. Honestly, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that sentiment there, Cindy. And, and you know, what what profound words, quite frankly, for, you know, if you look at the status quo, what's happening today and what needs to change in order for, for the business world and the world at large to become a better place around those share value piece. So, so thank you for sharing that. Um, really, really important. I, I want to pick up on a sentence that you said a little bit earlier. And you said that life gets better as you get older. And I found that intriguing because it maybe talks to perhaps some of the tribulations you may have had when you were younger and some of the lessons that you learned along the way. So I wondered if maybe you could, you could expand on that a little bit. I'm sure. What would you like to know? Mm, well, um, why do you think that life gets better as you get older? Um, because it simply does. Um, so, um, and, and this is a lesson that is especially important um, for our industry to learn because I've been, um, I've been championing diversity and inclusion across many fronts for many years, um, as you all both know. And part of that is absolutely fighting to combat ageism. And I've been especially keen to combat ageism in our industry because when you combat ageism in the advertising industry, you change ageism in advertising. And that's enormously important because advertising is a, is a very key force in popular culture. What we do absolutely shapes societal attitudes and behavior. And so one of the many lessons our industry has been spectacularly failing to learn for decades um, is the mistake the advertising industry makes 
is thinking that older people aspire to be young. We don't. Younger people aspire to be us. Because when you're this age, I'm 62, you know, you don't give a damn what anybody else thinks. You have the confidence of having, you know, your own sense of who you are. You know what really matters in life, in relationships, in business. You have your own sense of personal style. You have your own sense of home style. You know, you have the freedom to do so many things you couldn't when you were younger. All of that is enormously aspirational. I um, did an interview um, at the start of this year for um, a series called Style Like You, which is run by a wonderful mother and daughter, Elisa and Lily. And they have a specific interview series called What's Underneath, where they invite people to sit on a stool, they interview from behind the camera, and as you answer each question, you remove an item of clothing. So it's about stripping down, literally and metaphorically, to what's underneath. So I basically sat in a stool, talked about how I live my life, and took all my clothes off, right down to my underwear. And... I was blown away by the response to this interview, um, and you can see this in the comments on YouTube, on Instagram. Um, first of all, I went viral on TikTok. Um, you know, Starlight, you broke up my interview into a number of clips, each one of which has gotten millions and millions of views on TikTok. Gen Z loves me. Um, there are 900 versions you know, uh, people repurposing bits of my interview on, on, on TikTok, um, and many of them using the meme, I have seen my future and it is bright. And I think the reason for those positive responses can be, you know, encapsulated in the number of, especially young women who said, oh my God, I've been looking for older female role models like this and I never find them. And one woman said something very moving on Instagram. She said, imagine if we had all grown up seeing and hearing women live and talk like this, imagine how different our lives would be now. So, you know, fundamentally, um, our industry is spectacularly failing to understand that if you want to sell to younger people, do it with older people. And the way you do that most effectively is by having older people creating, approving, producing, directing, you know, casting, running the ads. Love, love that thought, and it reminds me of uh, this notion that where are all the over 50s in advertising and marketing? Um, I'm approaching 50, and uh, it's true. I mean, it's agencies in particular are massively overpopulated with, with younger folk. Um, so I love, I love the counter thought, and it's entirely consistent with your, your radical approach to everything. But you must have learned your craft in marketing back in the day, you've been in marketing for many, many years. What, what was your journey into marketing? Why did marketing even appeal as a thing? Because for many, they don't even know it's an industry. Sure. So, you know, I think um, what's important for our audience is that everything in my life and career has happened by accident. I have never consciously, intentionally planned anything. Um, I'm a great believer in my ex-boss, John Hegarty's mantra, do interesting things and interesting things will happen to you. So, I, um, my circuitous route into marketing came about because um, I read English literature at Oxford University at Somerville College, and I fell madly in love with theatre at Oxford, which has a thriving student drama scene. I was president of my college's drama society. 
I wrote, acted, directed, stage managed, and I decided that all I wanted to do was work in theatre the rest of my life. And I knew I wasn't good enough to be an actress or director, but I used to draw a lot when I was younger. And so at Oxford, my friends in the theatre scene kind of pulled me into designing theatre posters for their shows. And from there, I got sucked into promoting and selling their shows. And I really enjoyed doing that. And so I thought, actually, I bet it's a lot easier to find a job, you know, in theatre marketing than it is doing anything else in theatre. And it was. So I became a theatre marketing publicity officer at various theatres around the UK. Um, at the, um, I was the marketing officer at the Yvonne Arno Theatre um, in Guildford, which is, you know, pre-West End shows, big names. And then I went to the opposite end of the spectrum and became the marketing officer at the Everyman Theatre in Liverpool, which is, you know, experimental community theatre. And I did this for several years, but then I got completely fed up with working 24 seven and earning chicken feed, which is what happens in theater. And, you know, I, I was in Liverpool at the time and part of my job promoting the theater was giving talks to groups about it. So I gave a talk to a group of women on Merseyside and afterwards one of them came up to me and she went, young lady, you could sell a fridge to an Eskimo. And I thought that is the universe telling me something, time to sell out to the establishment going to advertising. And so I did. And um, also, um, it's worth um, your audience knowing that it was extremely difficult to make that transition because this is back in the 80s when advertising was the hottest industry going. It was sexy as hell. Everybody wanted to work in advertising. So, you know, I, um, I basically took the first job I was offered um, by an agency called Ted Bates, which no longer exists. And I joined Ted Bates in the summer of 1985 and had an absolute whale of a time. There was something quite liberating about joining the industry on the very bottom rung of the ladder. Um, and Ted Bates had um, a six month, um, you know, an advertising um, entry level recruit training program where you got to work in every single department of the agency. You know, to, uh, and again, I don't know whether those programs still exist, but they were fantastic back in the day. And, um, and so, you know, that's how I got into advertising um, by accident and by being determined to try every route I could to get in. And then, and then very importantly, taking the first job I was offered. You know, I, I always say, you know, um, don't hold out for what you think are the best names in the business. Absolutely take the first job you're offered because once you have your foot in the door, then you can absolutely move on to, to other places. But the important thing is to get your foot in the door in the first instance. Well, wonderful advice. And um, I, I, I'm really intrigued by the thought of, you know, Mer Oxford to Merseyside, and then clearly now sitting in New York. And I, and I love the notion of how that's, you know, the, the way that you've been able to, to reverse that sort of, that, that, that sort of way in, into getting to where you, you've got to. And I'd love to learn a little bit more about the journey to the US and how that, where that came from and how that, how that actually happened. Um, I've got a, I've got a, uh, uh, an ambition and a goal and one day to, to work in the US. I love it for my own, my own journey as well. So love to hear from that, from that perspective. Sure. So, um, you know, um, I was extraordinarily lucky in my career in advertising and marketing. I was lucky for two reasons. Um, the first is I was never sexually harassed in a way that ended my I was absolutely sexually harassed, but not 
happens for so many women in our industry where there is retaliation and they are managed out of the agency and out of the industry. So I count myself enormously lucky that never ended my career. And secondly, I was lucky because I can count the number of female bosses I worked for in my career on the fingers of one hand, two. I was lucky enough to work who championed me, who saw my potential before I did, who wanted me to succeed, and who gave me every opportunity to do so. And I say I was lucky because that is not the experience of most women in our industry. So, you know, at every agency I worked at, um, Ted Bates, J. Walter Thompson, Gold Greenies Trot, and subsequently at the agency I spent 16 years at, Bartle Bogle Hegarty, I was lucky enough to work, saw my potential and believed in me and championed me and wanted me to succeed. And, you know, I will say to our audience, that's really important. Um, find those champions. So, um, you know, I joined BBH in the summer of, in, in, no, in November, in fact, in 1989. I, you know, worked um, at BBH London, running big global pieces of business. And, you know, one day, and this would have been back in the early 90s, as a thrustingly ambitious young account director, I pinned my boss, Nigel Bogle, up. Where am I getting in this agency? And Nigel did this very good management thing of, he turned the question back on me. He said, Cindy, you tell us what you want to do or make it happen. And he said, don't be bounded by the realms of the possible. If you want a job that doesn't yet exist, tell us what it is, we'll make it happen. So I thought, can't say fairer than that. So I went off, you know, I, I thought about it and I came back and I said, my dream job would be running BBH in North America. And by the way, bear in mind, at this point, we only had one office in London. And I said, and to be my total dream job, I'd be okay, you know, doing that in San Francisco. And the reason I said that was because, you know, one of our biggest clients was Levi's, who was headquartered in San Francisco. But I said to be my total dream job, I would do it in New York. And Nigel went, okay, you know, well, funny enough, um, we have been thinking about, you know, one day, you know, talk, um, expanding to the US, we've been talking about that. So your request is locked. Now, um, we actually ended up um, opening a BBH office in Asia Pacific first because we had a number of clients out there who wanted us to have a presence in the region. And so I went out to Singapore in 96 as the number two to Simon Sherwood at BBH Asia Pacific to help start and run that. And then in 1998, I got my dream job, which was the opportunity to come here to New York and to start up BBH New York, which began as me in a room with a phone starting up an advertising agency in the world's toughest advertising marketplace, Madison Avenue. Um, and that was a lively old ride, but um, ended up going pretty well. So that's that's how that, that came about. And so I think, you know, the lesson for our audience is absolutely, you know, um, identify what you want to do and ask to do it. Because, you know, inherent in that are there will be benefits for your agency, your business, your brand in asking to do that. There's, there's a huge lesson in that, as you say, about taking ownership. Don't expect anybody to care about your own development as much as you could and should. You, you also talked about um, not being sexually harassed as being an exception to the rule. 
and that males that championed you. So I, we've still got a long way to go in that regard. But I wanted to just, you those two great quotes from Nigel Bogle and then um, John Hegarty, do interesting things, interesting things will happen. I mean, just what is it like to work with those legends? Oh, oh, just, you know, absolutely fantastic, obviously. I mean, I mean, you know, I worked with, um, you know, Mike Gold, Mike Greenies and Dave Trott at GGT. You know, I was lucky enough to work with, um, you know, Bartle, Bogle and Hegarty at, um, at BBH. And, you know, I, I think um, the, um, the important point to make about that is I'm not a fan of the word mentor. And I say that because inherent in the word mentor is a sense of touchy-feely, chat, 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 shoulder to cry on. And those of us who are underrepresented in our industry don't need mentors, we need champions. Because champions are people who make shit happen for you. A champion is somebody who behind closed boardroom doors will slam their fist on the table and go, there's only room for one pay raise left in my departmental budget. It's going to Jane, not John. We need people who will do what white men have gotten in our industry all the time, which is people prepared to go out on a limb for them. And so I really encourage underrepresented people in our industry don't look for mentors, look for champions. Look for what I was like, people who will make shit happen for you. Here, here, Cindy. Honestly, that is so bloody true. You know, it's, we need more people to be willing to go out on a limb to champion others. And particularly when it comes to diverse groups of people, we need that more than ever. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad you said that. Honestly, it, it really is so important. Um, and I've got no doubt, by the way, when you said you were so grateful to, to have worked with so many great people, um, I'm sure others would be saying exactly the same about you. I, I love the thought that when you walked into the States with a telephone in hand and you were in the pole position to really, you know, sink or swim, and make the business what it is in North America. I'd love to get some insight from you, maybe some of the first steps that you did take in order to make it a success. Sure, so, you know, we, we launched BBH New York in September, 1998. And, you know, I think that year, our Christmas party was like six people around a table in a restaurant, you know, that's how tiny we were. But I said to my team that for, here's our vision for this agency. We are going to be the best agency in America. And I said, now, you know, if, you know, the guys down the street at J. Walter Thompson, McCann Erickson, YNR, you know, if they could hear me say that, they'd be rolling around on the floor laughing hysterically, okay? This teensy-weensy British upstart, you know, thinks they're gonna be the best agency in America. But I said, you know, the important thing about that is, you know, one should always have a big vision and, you know, BBH had a culture of excellence. So, you know, that was absolutely our vision. We're going to be the best agency in America. And I said, and the thing about that is that when you know that is your vision, 
it makes it really easy to measure every single step you take, every single thing you do against, does this take us closer to being the best agents in America? And that's how you map out a very clear strategic path and you have a very clear North Star for your vision of what you want this business to be. Awesome. Uh, I, it's, um, you, you are a pioneer uh, and you're 62 years young and you're in the best best part of your life. So where, what's left in terms of the ambitions? Where, do you, where else do you want to change the world? So, uh, you know, obviously um, I am now, you know, absolutely 100% dedicated to changing the world through sex. And, you know, that's, that's what Make Love Not Porn is out to do. And as an utterly unique venture, as, you know, the world's first and only user-generated, 100% human-curated social sex video sharing platform. The way to think about us is, if porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie, Make Love Not Porn is the badly needed documentary. We are a unique window onto the funny, messy, loving, wonderful ways we all, all have sex in the real world. We are literally sex education through real-world demonstration. And ultimately, our mission at Make Love Not Porn is to end rape culture. And we do that by doing something incredibly simple, which nevertheless nobody else is doing. We end rape culture by showing you how wonderful, great consensual communicative sex is in the real world. Our social sex videos role model good sexual values and good sexual behavior. And here's the important part. We make aspirational versus what you see in porn and popular culture. I am reinventing aspirational culture around sex in the industry for decades to reinvent as around many other things because that is what we have the opportunity to do so you know um, that that's that's what I'm focused on but you know I I also have been focused you know again for many years in you know trying to help our industry reinvent itself and I'm thrilled to have this opportunity to talk to you and to talk to your audience for this podcast because Here's, here's what I you know, want the audience to take away from this. I've had a wonderful career and I regret nothing about it, but when I'm asked if there is anything at all that I wish I'd done differently, my answer is, is, is I wish I'd started working for myself a damn sight sooner. And that's because having left the corporate world back in 2005 to work for myself, I am now evangelical about the fact that working for yourself is the only way to be. Too many people make the mistake of thinking that a job is the safe option. It's not. In a job, you are at the complete mercy of management changes, industry downturns, marketplace dynamics. You know, I always say, whose hands would you rather place your future in? Those of a large corporate entity who at the end of the day doesn't give a shit about you, or somebody who will always have your best interests at heart, i.e. you. And I especially want to say that to the audience for this podcast because, you know, um, many years ago, I was giving a talk at Cannes Lions um, and in the Q&A, a young woman put her hand up and she said, Cindy, what is the single piece of advice that you would give a young person going into advertising today? And I said, don't. And then I said, let me explain what I mean by that. Don't go into advertising and marketing to go into advertising and marketing. 
Instead, go into advertising and marketing to make what you want to happen, happen. So this is my message for your audience. Absolutely, you know, as I said earlier, take a job at the first advertising agency, brand, marketing company that is lucky enough to hire you. And then take a long, hard look around you at our industry with the benefit of your completely fresh perspective, your objective lens, your unique eyes, and identify what you think is missing that should be there. What you would love to be able to use in marketing that doesn't exist, what you think you could bring to the table that nobody else has, and then start that. Because first of all, there are so many opportunities to completely reinvent what we do through the diverse lens that have still not been leveraged because our industry is white male dominated. Um, and by the way, those opportunities are especially there to be leveraged through the female lens. Because it's a massive irony that women are the primary target of all advertising and marketing because we are the primary purchasers of everything and the primary influencers of purchase of everything, even in sectors traditionally thought to be targeted men. Um, and yet we are sold to ourselves all the time through the white male lens. That's why 90% of women say that they feel that advertising has no relevance to them. So we have not even begun to see how this industry can be re reinvented through the female lens let alone the diverse lens. So as I say, use your lens to identify the massive gaps in the market that exist, then start those businesses. And, you know, secondly, the reason I urge you to do that is because um, the reason diversity and inclusion is not happening in our industry is because at the top of our industry is a closed loop of white guys talking to white guys about other white guys. Those white guys are sitting very pretty. They've got their enormous salaries, their gigantic bonuses, their big pools of stock options, their lavish expense accounts. Why on earth would they ever want to rock the boat? Oh, oh, they have to talk diversity. They have to appoint chief diversity officers. They have to have diversity initiatives. They have to say the word diversity a lot, especially in public. Secretly, deep down inside, they don't want to change a thing because the system is working just fine for them as it currently is. It's like the old joke about the light bulb. How many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but the light bulb has to really want to change. And in our industry, the light bulb does not really want to change. So that closed leaf of white guys talking to white guys cannot innovate and disrupt because they, they are not allowing in the diverse perspectives and lenses that would make innovation disruption happen. But they sure as hell can acquire innovation and disruption. And I can tell you that when you start a business that takes advantage of a never before seen opportunity because you bring the unique diverse lens to seeing that opportunity, all you have to do is start that business and run it successfully and demonstrate how badly needed and how effective it is for a relatively short period of time. And then giant holding company X will buy that business from you for an absolute goddamn fucking shit ton of money. 
And that is the quickest path to wealth creation in our, in our industry for anybody who is currently underrepresented within it. And, and just on that, um, I encourage everybody listening to sign up to theygotacquired.com for their weekly newsletter. So They Got Acquired is a wonderful um, uh, media platform and resource center started earlier this year by Alexis Grant, who decided to start a business to celebrate exits that are not the you know, gigantic Silicon Valley billion dollar unicorn ones. Um, what They Got Acquired does is it celebrates exits along a spectrum from $100,000 to $50 million. But at every point along that spectrum is life-changing money for founders. And so, so Alexis sends out a newsletter every week, and each newsletter showcases a different case study where a business got acquired. And what is fascinating about the businesses she's choosing to celebrate is, you know, to, um, a couple months back, um, the case study of the week was a man started a design blog, and he sold that blog to a tech company for a million dollars. Um, everything you start has value to somebody. And that is doubly true in our industry because, um, as I've been saying to our industry for years, we are the business model for the internet. Advertising is the business model for the internet. We don't understand our own value and our own power. Our industry has been colluding in its own devaluation for years. Um, for fresh eyes coming into our industry, there's a huge opportunity to identify different ways to create value, to be the future of advertising and marketing. And precisely because we are the business model of the internet, there are a ton of people willing to fund that and willing to acquire it. And I, I, I really want underrepresented people within our industry to see that opportunity. And you know, I'll tell you something else that makes me really, really angry, which is that, you know, um, there are a ton of white men in our industry, and by the way, white women as well, who've made a huge amount of money out of our industry, and they are not investing that money back into the industry. Only 10% of all advertising agencies here in the US are female owned. And that's because, there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, a, women get their confidence destroyed every day in our industry by white men. And they are beaten down every day, so much so that they lose the confidence to see how much they have to contribute by starting their own agencies. Um, and so I highly recommend the Own It podcast, um, started by Christy Heiler, that um, celebrates women-owned agencies, gives advice, um, do, do, um, do listen to Own It. Um, but also what infuriates me is the people who made a huge amount of money out of industry are not investing in the future advertising. They're investing in Silicon Valley. They're investing in tech startups. They tout the fact that they've got the money to be able to now become investors. They are not investing that money back into a new future of advertising. I find that absolutely fucking outrageous. And so I really want, you know, change happens from the bottom up, not the top down. See those opportunities, start them yourselves. Um, honestly, our industry, is enormously cheap and easy to start a business in because all you need is your brain and your network. You can take advantage of any opportunity to invent the marketing business of the future. 
just by using your brain and tapping into your network to bring in the team you need to work with you. You don't need office premises. You know, you can work from home, you can work from coffee shops or wherever. It is so easy to start a business in our industry. And the future of advertising and marketing is wide open. And even if, you know, the white men have made a shit ton of money out of the street, trust me, there are plenty of people outside our industry who see the opportunity will. Again, especially women and women investors. Um, so absolutely seize that opportunity, start your own business, make an absolute goddamn fucking shit ton of money out of it because you can. Cindy, you are the Michael Bay of business. Oh my God. That, that was just truly, I think, transformative in, in, the, in the thinking um, and actually the rally cry that you just put out there for the audience. And I'm sure many will pay heed to what you've just said. For, for all the reasons you've described. So I just want to thank you. I, I you know, we're, we're out of time, but it's been such a rich, fruitful, honest, transparent discussion. Um, and I just want to say a massive thank you for that. That's, it's been a, a tremendous, energizing experience to talk to you this, this afternoon. Um, and I'm sure it won't be the last. So I'm going to pass over to Mark for some of his closing remarks, but just wow. Just wow. Thanks, Richie. Thanks, Cindy. Well, it's been no holds barred. It's been pretty breathtaking. Uh, you said you like to blow shit up and you've spoken your mind, spoken your power today. So what have we heard? You need to change the game and be transformative. Uh, but in so doing, be your own filter. Uh, and that will ensure that you work with the people you're meant to work with and, and no chaff. Uh, confidence comes from your values. You're really clear on your values. Uh, you describe them as a sexual values, but they seem to be the same values that permeate throughout your whole life. Uh, and I love that thought of the new business model, share values plus shared action equals shared profit. Um, we also need to rethink the whole notion of ageism within advertising, both in terms of the people that we employ, but also the fact that age is in some ways aspirational for younger people because all the people have got everything that younger people would want to have. It's a complete rethink. I love the fact that everything, I don't quite believe you when you said it will happen by accident. And it was luck. I don't really believe that. But you said you've had a lot of happy accidents through your career. But hey, working for John Hegarty and, and BBH and all the amazing things you've done, you know, I mean, it must have been quite a ride. And so that's why you've learned so much to give that back to a gift to the world. Uh, but of course, we also touched on some difficult things. You know, the, note, the fact that sexual harassment uh, and people needing to be championed, it's still an ongoing conversation. We're still nowhere near where we need to be from an inclusivity and representation point of view. But remember, in the end, you need to take ownership of yourself because don't expect anybody else to care that much. You pioneered into New York. Um, you probably would have wanted to work for yourself earlier, but you've given an amazing rallying cry around that. Um, and you are a beacon of representation. I'm going to check out theygotacquired.com because I'm absolutely fascinated and the Own It podcast. As I said, it's been no holds barred. So, Cindy, thank you very much for your time today. I know the audience will really appreciate it, if not love it. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I will just say to our audience, if you like what I've said, please support my own startup. Go to makelovenotporn.com, sign up, subscribe. You know, subscription start at just $10 a month and, and spread the word. <laughs>